Hi guys and welcome back to the Female Fitness Podcast. I am your host Danny, and today is another solo podcast. This one is a Q&A. I asked you guys for your questions on Instagram and I'm going to go through those. Thank you so much to anyone who took the time to ask me a question. I do appreciate it massively. So thank you. It means the world. And I hope this podcast answers them nicely for you. If you have any questions off the back of anything I discussed today, please let me know. Drop me a message on Instagram um, and we can have a conversation. So first question, we're going in quite full on. What is my opinion on the use of steroids? by bikini competitors so first of all I think people get steroids and performance enhancing drugs a little bit sort of mixed up so steroids sorry PDs include steroids but PDs include a lot more than just steroids so performance enhancing drugs could be anything from like fat burners to uh, anabolic steroids like there are so many different things included in PEDs now the use of steroids for bikini competitors so anabolic steroids I think is unnecessary however if you are talking about performance enhancing drugs which would include fat burners and other forms of assistance it is always going to be a part of the sport a part of bodybuilding and it's a very personal decision so I have absolutely nothing against anybody who makes the decision to go assisted it is an extreme sport at the end of the day and if you are choosing to participate in the sport of competitive bodybuilding you have to accept that people using performance enhancing drugs is always going to be a part of that And if you want a level playing field, you can actively choose to compete in a drug tested federation, such as the UK, the FBA, or the BMBF, or Two Bros Naturals, they now do natural shows. So if you want a level playing field, and you don't want to compete against other people who are going to be using performance enhancing drugs, then compete in a natural federation. It is completely somebody's own decision if they decide to go assisted or not. And that's that's up to them. It's a very personal decision. And it's always going to be a part of an extreme sport such as bodybuilding. And at the end of the day, you have the choice whether you compete against assisted people or not by choosing what federation you compete with. Um, But like I said, if you have any further questions on that, just drop me a direct message on Instagram. Second question. So someone said that they would like to hear me talk a little bit about individualization when it comes to programming. And this is a very broad topic because there are so many different ways in which you can individualize somebody's training and um as an example like with my own clients as we go through the process and they check in with me every week things will change and adapt as they go through the process based on how they're progressing based on their recovery capabilities 
um, their enjoyment of certain exercises, things like that. So you obviously want to make things specific to the individual when a client starts with you, but then things will get more and more specialized and more and more specific to that individual the further you get through the process. And as you adapt things based on their biofeedback and their feedback to you when they check in with you every week. So yes, we want to program things specifically for an individual when they start with us. Um, But then beyond that, things will get more and more specialized as they move through the process. So training volume should be adjusted based on the individual's recovery capabilities, which you would assess via monitoring biofeedback. So things like muscle soreness, sleep, um, their ability to concentrate throughout the day, their bowel movements, digestion as a whole. So all of that data you will gather as you go through the checking process. And if you find someone or yourself is not recovering properly, um, if their sleep is slightly off, if they're um, not going to the toilet properly, if their muscle soreness is really, really bad and they're not recovered by the next time they come to train a certain muscle group, then you might have to reduce training volume a little bit. You might have to reduce training frequency to make sure that they are able to recover from the training stimulus as you will only adapt in a positive manner to a training stimulus, which you can actually recover from. So it's really important to make sure that recovery is in a good place. And those things are signs of whether it is or not. Obviously, things like sleep and digestion can be down to other factors as well but they are also signs that you can use to sort of um, get an idea whether someone is recovering or not. And sometimes those things can take a little bit of a hit when someone is starting to get a little bit overreached and is due a deload as well. Um, Exercise selection would be based on the individual and their goals. For example, if someone wishes to compete in the bikini criteria, then they need to consider their own strengths and weaknesses and the areas of their physique that need development in order for them to best fit the criteria. So if you're participating in bodybuilding, you always, always need to take into account the criteria and exercise selection will be influenced by the criteria. For example, a bikini girl doesn't need to do a load of chest work because bikini girls are not really going to be judged on their chest unless um, their chest was so weak that it took away from the overall balance of their physique. So um, when it comes to exercise selection, bikini girls don't need to be doing a lot of like pec flies, for example. So exercise selection is always going to be based on the individual their goals and their physique strengths and weaknesses and again exercise selection can come down to it doesn't have to be um in the example of someone who's participating in bodybuilding if somebody has a performance-based goal say someone was a powerlifter then they obviously need to include the squat bench and deadlift in their program to get better at those specific movements Um, If somebody wanted to get better at the Olympic lifts, then they need to include the Olympic lifts and some accessory work in their programming. So 
it all comes down to the individual's goals and what they're wanting to achieve. And then, you know, if someone's priority is not to maximally develop muscle tissue, then they can take into account more what they enjoy and do more of that. So it all comes down to the individual. And like I said, it can be adapted as we go through the process as well. You know, you will start off with a, a program. And then you will adapt and change that as you go through the process based on what the individual needs. And also how the criteria changes if you're participating in bodybuilding, because we all know that the criteria can change even from one show to another. So it's about constantly assessing that and adapting things where necessary to suit that criteria. And then if, for example, someone like, one of my clients, Rosie, she's decided she wants to go up to the figure category. So we've adapted her program based on the fact that she wants to develop different areas of her physique now to best perform in the figure category. So that's another example of where things would change. Injury history also needs to be taken into account to, of course, reduce risk of injury moving and forwards and ensure if a client does have an injury right here right now that they don't make that injury worse so anything which causes them pain or discomfort or puts um unnecessary pressure on whatever part of their body they have that injury in then that needs to be potentially taken out or performed if that's a certain exercise you might keep it in but perform it at a much lower intensity so injury history always needs to be taken into account and um any his, any injuries that they currently have because you do not want to make anything worse or you don't want a client to accrue any new injuries because that's going to hold them back massively and it's going to be the bane of their lives basically enjoyment also needs to be taken into account as the more somebody enjoys something whether that's you whether that's a client um the more effort they are going to put into the process and therefore the more progress they will see as a result of that increased effort. And if they enjoy something, they are going to be able to sustain their efforts for much longer, which is going to mean that they're able to continue to build on and then maintain their progress after they've reached whatever their goal may be. So enjoyment is actually really important. And obviously, that's another thing which can change as someone goes through the process. There is always an element of sacrifice. For example, we know everybody hates a split squat. But right now, during lockdown, exercise selection is very limited. So I bet there are a lot of people doing split squats right now because they are a very effective unilateral exercise which can be used and which can be effective at much lower loads and with minimal equipment. So a split squat is going to be a very common exercise in a lot of your programs at the moment. And that's something that you might just have to grin and bear until we're back in gyms. But um, yes, enjoyment needs to be taken into account, but we can't always enjoy every single exercise under certain circumstances such as lockdown so there's an element of sacrifice especially if you have an extreme end goal such as stepping on stage um however we do want to enjoy the majority of our program where possible as it's going to result in a more enjoyable process as a whole more progress and more maintainable progress 
Sometimes another thing which can be taken into account when it comes to individuality is you will often find that women can tolerate more training volume than men, so more sets per exercise than guys can. Not everybody, but some people. Again, it's something that's very individual and can be adapted throughout the process. Another thing which is really important to take into account is the individual's lifestyle, whether that be you or whether that be a client. Like, how many how many days a week can you realistically commit to training, and how many hours per day? Because if you can't commit to consistently training at the training frequency you assign yourself then you're going to really struggle to sustain your efforts. You're going to struggle to get to where you want to be. And you're going to really struggle when you reach your end goal to actually maintain the progress that you've made. So you have to be realistic with yourself. Consistency is much more important than you going all out for maybe five weeks and then falling off the bandwagon. You have to be realistic and say to yourself, okay, how many times a week can I realistically commit to training every single week? And how many hours on those training days can I realistically commit to training and base your training program around that? So if you are only able to train three times over the week, you might want to follow some kind of full body splits. You might want to do three full body sessions over the week um, just so that you're hitting each muscle group at a decent frequency over the week. Or you might want to do full body, lower body, upper body. If you can train four times over the week, then you might go lower, upper, lower, upper again so that you're hitting each muscle group twice over the week. If you're able to train five times, that might be where you start to split things up a little bit more and you do something like pull, push, legs, upper, lower, because that will still mean that you are getting adequate rest between training the same muscle group and you are hitting each muscle group at a frequency of twice every week. So um, always consider how many times you're able to commit to training over the week when you're thinking about your splits. And make sure that you're getting as much bang for your book from your program as possible. Um, don't try and follow like a body part split if you're only able to train three times over the week. So don't try and do um, back and biceps, glutes and hamstrings and chest and triceps if you're only training three times over the week. Because then you're only going to be hitting each muscle group once a week. And frequency of hitting each muscle group is an important factor to consider if you wish to maximally develop muscle tissue. And also if you want to expend a decent amount of energy in those sessions as well, because when you think about isolation movements like bicep curls, you're going to be expending very minimal energy doing those exercises in comparison to big compound movements. The next question was, do you gain weight more rapidly post-show than what you would normally? Now, when this person refers to normally, what I'm going to assume is that they mean when, say someone was going through a hypertrophy phase, but they're not doing it from stage lean, they're doing it from a normal body fat percentage. So that, in comparison to the post-show phase, yes, you would gain body fat more rapidly post-show. The reason for that is because post-show, your immediate goal is health. Your immediate goal is to get to a body fat percentage where 
you are healthy as quickly as possible rather than prolong staying stage lean. The longer you hold on to extreme levels of condition, so stage lean and close to stage lean, the more negative health effects you will experience and the longer you will feel like absolute dog shit. So you want to get to a healthy body fat percentage as quickly as you possibly can, which is why body fat gain post-show should be more rapid than if you were doing a hypertrophy phase from an already healthy body fat percentage. So yeah, you want to regain a healthy amount of body fat as quickly as you can post-show so that you can perform and function to the best of your ability and so that you don't prolong those negative health effects and you don't make those negative health effects worse, essentially. So the last question, I feel like I could ramble about this question for a long time. So I'm going to try and keep it as concise as possible whilst covering it in as much detail as I want to cover it. So what made me decide not to compete anymore? So the initial realisation hit when towards the end of 2020, so my my latest competitive season, I realised that I was super excited for my clients' shows, but I did not have that same level of excitement for my own show. And bodybuilding is a sport which you have to give absolutely 100% to. It is an extreme sport. And if you don't have like a burning passion for the sport, you will not be able to dedicate what is needed to succeed in the sport. And you will start to resent the process if you force yourself through it. Because it's the kind of sport which you have to literally dedicate every single day too and if you force yourself to do that when you do not have a burning passion for it you will resent the process and you will start to live a very unenjoyable life and that's not a nice way to live because it's a sport which you literally have to dedicate every single day to every single meal Every action in the day contributes to that end goal. If you do not have a burning passion for competitive bodybuilding, then you will resent the process and you will not enjoy it. Um, And you may well be in a bit of a shitty place when you come out of it if you force yourself through it. So for me, the minute I stopped getting as excited for my shows and for the process that was time for me to close that chapter of my life. And I will always stay true to my values. And um, I will always set my goals in line with my values. So for me, that was just that was it, you know, that was the end of my own career as an athlete. The minute I didn't have that burning passion for competing and stepping on stage myself anymore was the minute I needed to draw a line under it and move on to the next chapter of my life. And my my values changed. And I think in 2020, the whole year in particular, like um, obviously there was the whole coronavirus situation, a lot went on in my personal life. So the year as a whole made me really think about 
my own values and my perspective on what matters most to me as a person and I now I value time with my friends and time with my family above competing I value my social life as a whole albeit very limited at the moment with the coronavirus but that's another story um I value my health, furthering my own education, providing even more support for my clients. And I pr- I value all of those things above stepping on stage and above competing. So aligning my goals with my values, competing was not the right goal for me to continue to pursue going forwards. And that's why I have left that goal in my past and 2020 will be the last time I step on stage never say never but um for now I definitely don't see it like I don't see myself stepping on stage again like I said I'll never say never and if my goals and my values change again and I decide I want to step on stage again then I will but for now it's definitely not a priority for me and in terms of my own health and fitness goals now I just want to be the fittest healthiest version of myself I want to look good and I want training to be a part of my life rather than dedicating my whole life to training for a show and rather than having to dedicate hours and hours every day to bring the best version of myself to the stage it's no longer my priority and I also realized this is the type of influence that I want to have on other people as well you guys listening to this podcast I would much rather you guys I'd much rather encourage you guys to be the healthiest fittest strongest versions of yourselves Um, and influence you guys to be willing to change your goals if your values ever change rather than be the person who pushes through despite the fact their values has changed and forces themselves to continue to compete that's not an example that I want to set and I want I want to promote health I want to promote fitness Um, and I want to I think I want to promote a bit more have an all-round balanced life and um, a great quality of life for people. I think it's so important and I want to help people um, realise their own values, whatever they may be, whether that's stepping on stage or whether that's giving more time to their health and their friends and family. So, yeah, I just think it's really important to stay true to yourself and do what makes you really happy because living a life for other people I cannot imagine how unsatisfying and how miserable that is. And I know that there's a lot of people out there doing that, living a life based on the fact that they're scared what other people might think if they make a certain decision or do a certain thing. Um, They're living a life based on what they think might get the most likes on social media. I know there's a lot of people living like life like that and I want to influence people not to live their lives like that so I'm doing what's right for me right now um I also lose my cycle every single time I compete and I've been competing since 2016 so I did 2016 2017 2018 2020 so I've done four seasons in the space of five years 
And there's a point where you start to think like, how much more can my body take? And will they get to a point where my body stops being able to bounce back from what I'm putting it through? Um, I also didn't want to push myself far into the assisted side of bodybuilding either because I do value my health and obviously that can have long-term implications. I absolutely loved competing. I loved every single minute of it and I gained so much from the sport um, and I wouldn't have done it if at the time it didn't feel right but it did at the time and now I'm moving past it. So I'm not the type of person who obviously there's a lot of people out there who sort of fall out of love with bodybuilding and they start to resent the sport, they start to hate the sport, they start to put lots of negativity out towards it. That's not me. I absolutely love the sport. And whilst I was competing in it, it was 100% the right decision for me. And it was 100% for me as an individual. It's just now at this stage in my life, it's not for me anymore but I still love it, still love the sport, still absolutely love seeing my clients succeed in it when their goals are to step on stage and when their values are in line with that. Like when that's their goal and when they succeed in that, it gives me so much joy. And if it's for you, enjoy every minute of it because it's a wonderful sport. I will never put out like lots of negativity on competing because I really do love the sport and um, it's it's not a case of I've fallen out of love with the sport. It's a case of that phase of my life is now in the past and I'm moving forwards. I'm moving past it and my time as an athlete in the sport has passed, but I will still live vicariously through my clients <laughs> and um, I will still follow the sport very closely because I do love it it's just not my time anymore as an athlete and I feel like yeah I've gained everything I was supposed to gain from the sport um and it's now time to sort of move past that phase of my life um and yeah that's why so that's sort of a that's my version of why which is as concise as I can make it whilst I cover everything that I want to cover on it um so I think that's about it and also there's you know there's the element of the sport which once you get to a certain point the bikini criteria is very subjective and um obviously I've worked my way up through the sport over the years since 2016 um and I'm now at the point where I'd potentially have to manipulate my training in a way which I maybe wouldn't put on maximal muscle tissue. And um, my my training would be very different, I think, if I still wanted to compete. Um, and if I'm training in a bodybuilding fashion, I'm the type of person who likes to train very, very hard and I struggle not to train that way and I think I would struggle with potentially taking certain exercises out um and I'd struggle I think I'd struggle mentally if I was to participate in bodybuilding 
but not trained to maximally develop muscle tissue as well. So that's also another element um, of, of my decision as well, but definitely not a determining factor, just another element of it, maybe contributing to the reason why I didn't have that burning passion for the sport anymore. Um, so that's another thing to consider, but I will leave that there because I have rambled long enough. But if you guys have any further questions on any of this, please just drop me a direct message on Instagram. I promise I don't bite. Like I'm literally the most, um, I think I'm the most welcoming person ever. I'm very kind. So yeah, I don't bite. Please message me on Instagram if you want to chat, um, if you have any questions off the back of this. And if you have listened and if you have enjoyed it, please do tag me in your Instagram story. I appreciate it so much when you guys do that. Please do like and subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. But it has been a pleasure having you here again. Um, let me know if there's anything specific you want me to cover in future podcasts, any specific guests you want me to get on. And I will see you in the next one.